I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Welcome to Bitches on Comics, the podcast where we talk to your favorite comic creators and critics about what matters to them in comics. I'm your host, S.E. Fleenor, and I'm here with your other host, my dear friend. Me, Sarah Century. Hey, everybody. It's nice to be here. Also, today we have a couple of guests that I'm incredibly excited about. So I would like to welcome Becky Cloonan and Michael W. Conrad. Thanks for joining us. It's really nice to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yes. Well, we are just delighted that you're here. Uh, Michael and Becky are the writers of Batgirls. Holy cannoli, the comic we've all been waiting desperately mm-hmm. for that comes out, I think, this week. Uh, this Not week quite. being the week oh, the episode yeah. comes out. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to clarify. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, make sure you're checking it out at your local comic book store or wherever you get your comics. Michael, Becky, will you tell us just a little bit about yourselves? Uh, yeah. You start. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start. We, we're so used to working together. We do everything together, including talk at the same time. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, my name's Michael Conrad. I'm a comic book writer. You know my work probably from working as a partner of Becky on Wonder Woman and on Midnighter and on a Doom Patrol issue. Yeah, but also I, I do a lot of my own stuff. And yeah, now I get to do Batgirls with Becky. And I, um, I started out as an artist working with writers. Now the tables have turned. Here I am. <laughs> and I'm writing now, um, which is quite a lot of fun and a, a challenge in a totally different way. 
That was kind of one of my first questions was just going to be like, what, what's that like? Has that changed the dynamic of your work? Because obviously, uh, you have a big history in the Batman franchise, like Gotham Academy and oh, yeah. also as an artist. First of all, what's, how does it feel being back in the Batman franchise? And then I was also going to ask, how does it feel to be writing? Because now you're kind of same with Gotham Academy, but being kind of in control of these really long-standing beloved characters. I'm just curious how that's working out. Oh, I love it. Um, I love <laughs> it. I, being back in Gotham feels great. Gotham Academy was so much fun to do. And of course, like anytime I get to work on a Bat character, it's always just a delight. I don't know what it is about Gotham that I just love hanging out there so much. Um, so like any chance I get to go and like tell stories in the Batman universe, I just jump at. Yeah, Gotham Academy was one of the first longer series that I wrote. Mark Doyle edited that one. He's the one who brought me into Gotham as a writer. Uh, before that, I had only really been drawing and it was like the first time anyone had kind of taken a chance on me as a writer. So I felt I'm very grateful to him for that. Yeah, it's as an artist, I think I was just getting burnt out, like drawing monthly books. And I've been doing it for so long that being a writer, you can kind of work on a couple different things at a time. And I try and keep my art to I do cover work now. But I like to just draw like more for personal projects, just because it is so much. It's like very labor intensive and it's very emotionally connected to the art that when I started feeling burnt out on it, I knew I had to like do something else, but I didn't want to leave comics and writing just, you know, I, I have always wanted to write my own stuff and like writing for other people is great because I get to work with incredible artists. So yeah, that's my answer. Yes, I actually have some questions about the artists as well coming up. But Michael, what is your history with the characters? Because, I mean, obviously, Batman characters are loved across the globe. But then you have these specific characters. Have you been a Batgirls fan for a long time? Or is this kind of a new realm for you to be in? Oh, yeah, that's that's kind of my uh, my history with the characters is just being a big fan. I hesitate to say that like you have to be a fan of something to to write it well, but it it definitely helps. And I think you know just having a long history of of loving these characters and their various iterations. I've I've always loved Batman. Everyone loves Batman, but at at a certain point, I I kind of realized that I was more interested in other members of the Bat family. In part because they can kind of present this idea of a vigilante character with a number of different ways of going about doing it. And particularly with with the three central characters of, of this first arc of Batgirls, those being Cass, Steph, and Babs. These are three folks who share the same title and the same kind of mission, but there's three different, completely different ways of going about doing it and ways of interacting with the world around them as a masked vigilante. So for me, like I say, I've been a big fan of these characters because of that kind of, that room to be able to tell different kinds of stories. And hopefully what we're doing in Batgirls will feel like, you know, we've done our research and, and we're not negating anything that came before, but hopefully we're, we're giving people some new stuff to consider with regards to these principal players. I'm a huge fan of these characters. I have been since probably I was a teenager. I have always loved, you know, spoiler, Barbara Gordon, Cassandra Kane. These are all iconic characters, but that I'm sure just adds a ton of pressure because then there's also the fact that like 
with a character like Spoiler, it's easy to go back through her history and for fans, you know, like myself, just to be like, oh, this writer like did her wrong. You know, like this character has not always had the opportunity to shine that we would want for her. Right. So I'm, I'm curious, first of all, like, how's that pressure treating you? And then also just the fact of, do you take it as being an opportunity to kind of tell the story that you want to tell? Because like I said, these are such beloved characters, but they've had these entire times when like they just weren't the spotlight. Yeah, the, the pressure is horrific. It, it's terrifying um, being responsible for what these girls are doing now because their fans are really passionate and I don't want to disappoint them. But that being said, there's people that are fans of each of these characters for sometimes vastly different reasons. So it's been a little challenging to kind of reconcile, hey, we aren't going to please everyone all the time, but if we can communicate properly throughout the course of our stories that we love these characters and that we're doing the best that we can to honor what people love about them and to do so kind of with cutting ourselves some slack as well knowing that we've got great intentions for them. We want to do them a service. We want to keep them around and make them important in the DCU. So yeah, it's, um, it's scary and it's, it's also an honor. I feel no pressure. So that's just, that's just me though. <laughs> Becky's, Becky's an old knight. <laughs> She's been doing this for I have, a while. I have been doing this for a bit. So I think, I think with me, my pressure is mostly coming from myself. You know, <laughs> like, don't fuck this up. Um, I try not to worry about what other people are going to think of the book. I try to just worry about, like, making it as good as I can. And, it, you know, there's a certain feeling you get when you're working on something. It's like a, in the beginning, it's like a, a buzz, you know, like, you're just so excited and so inspired. And you think about these characters all the time. And then they kind of become like a little voices in your head, you know, when you're writing it. So I know that we're on the right track with it. And Jessica Chen at the helm as our editor, she does a great job. Like if we have any questions or if we have concerns about like where to take the plot, she knows a good direction to steer us without like being too hands-on about it, you know? Um, so we're in very good hands and I'm, that makes me confident. And we have good intentions. Like we want to make a book that makes people feel good. And when you do something like that, I don't know. I just feel like I'm not too worried in the same way that Michael is. <laughs> but that also might well, just be because I've been doing this for quite a, quite a long time. Well, you've just inspired me uh, to say that I, too, uh, feel very confident. And I, too, am not worried at all. No, I, I, am, I am confident in that. I think what we've done so far is awesome. And I think it's getting responded to in, in a really great way. People seem, seem open to what we're doing. And that's great. Um, I don't need outside affirmation to feel good about what we're doing, but it, it certainly helps. <laughs> Yeah, I personally love it. Like I am, as I said, I've been a fan of these characters forever. And one of the things that just immediately jumps out is, is that the characters all sound like themselves. They're all totally different characters. These are all very different Batgirls. And each one of them, you can tell who's talking. I feel like I would be able to tell even if there was no image to go along with it. You can identify their voices very clearly. So I was wondering if there was a time while you were writing where the characters have just kind of surprised you because... These are such established characters, but were there times when you went in and you were just like, I've got this character. I know what Stephanie Brown says in this situation. 
And then you find her saying something else. Was there any moments where you were like, oh, I kind of have to like adjust how I think about this character? Stephanie is definitely the one for me that I was most surprised by because I didn't know that much about her going in. I'll own that. (laughs) I knew a little bit about her. And I think what everyone knows is like, oh, yeah, she's like the bubbly one. She's like the funny, cute, energetic Batgirl. And as I got to know her and like through writing the story and like thinking about her character and like where our book is going to take her, you start to suddenly realize like, I don't know her at all. And then you have to like really do work and like dig into this character, figure out like, oh, she's hiding a lot beneath that smile, you know, and then going into that and being like, what does that mean? And how does that come out through her words and actions? You know, maybe what's she saying versus what are the things that she's thinking and not saying? And how do we convey that to the audience? Um, So that was a big thing for me was Stephanie. You know, I think, yeah, she just surprised me. She came really alive when we started working. And similarly, um, we've had a lot of fun thinking about how funny Cass can be. Cass is like this terrifying little killer um, who I could make a strong argument could beat up pretty much anyone in the DCU in a fair fight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But she's also like, she's funny because she doesn't have like the sort of social programming that, that the rest of us do. So in that way, she can be really genuine. And sometimes being genuine is is kind of funny. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I think when we showed up, I was ready to write Cass as this terrifying little dagger. But more and more, I'm finding that we see a lot of humor coming from her in a humanity starting to emerge from this person who, you know, thanks to their traumatic upbringing, they were never able to experience a lot of stuff that we have. So in that way, it's kind of like writing an alien on Earth for the first time. Yeah. And the two of them are perfect foils for each other. You know, they really bring out the best in each other and they make up for each other's weaknesses with such strong strengths, you know? Yeah. I think it's one of the underrated friendships of comics. Like, I would read them pretty much just talking, you know? I would... If that's all this series was, <laughs> was them like watching movies together or something, oh, I'm, I'm in. Like I'm watch, I'm going to read every issue. <laughs> Believe me, we're trying to get there. If we can get there, there will be no more kicking and punching. It will just be them <laughs> listening to true crime podcasts or something. Or them playing video games where they oh. play, you know, Nightwing and Batman oh, and beat wow. each other up. Like that is so <laughs> cute. I could die. That cover is just too much. Yeah. uh, Do you have any role in choosing the variant covers? Because even just for issue one, I know that going forward, like I pre-ordered this series. So I was I was already on board being like, which of these covers do I want? But do you have any role in choosing who does the variant covers? Or is that kind of more of a random thing that you find out about later? We'll like suggest people. Um, But I think for the most part, Jessica Chen has that really covered, especially for like issue one. They got Yoshitaka Amano to do a cover. And I like, died like <laughs> mm-hmm. a legend it's beautiful. oh my god that was i saw that and i was like okay i'll just quit now you know i don't have anything else <laughs> <laughs> i've noticed in this first issue that i've read that the hill plays a very big part in the story like the neighborhood that they're living in there's a lot of interaction with it just right off of the bat. So in a way, it's starting to feel like the hill is its own character in the story. And I was wondering if it was important for you all to 
kind of flesh out that area because we know of Gotham as this kind of ominous entity, but of course there's all of these burrows within Gotham. And, you know, I was wondering if it played a big part in how you wanted to tell the story that it takes place in the hill and if there is a desire to explore the area going forward. I think we wanted to find a place where we could discover it along with the girls as they they're living in a new area. And it felt neat to have us, the reader, be kind of along with the girls for their their journey there. Another reason is we we just wanted to to have a part of the city that felt like the cities that Becky and I have lived in. Becky is really kind of inspired by time living in New York, and I'm conversely inspired by time living in Oakland. But the similarities between those two cities are like they're diverse areas with rich cultures that are kind of threatened by gentrification and economic hardship. So we wanted to to create an area of Gotham that had that kind of representation and that kind of look and that feel to some of these rich cities, these rich culturally uh, cities that we've been in. And yeah, a big part of that is going to be populating these areas with with people that maybe it's not just like a bunch of like weird cis white dudes hanging out. It's also like people of a variety of different cultural backgrounds. Uh, So the Hill provided us an opportunity to create an area in Gotham that, that felt a little bit more alive. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Well, well, hello there. I didn't see you come in. Welcome to the episode. This is S.E. Flinor, and I'd like to ask a favor of you today. Can you do me a favor? Are you open to a favor? I Does mean, it feel weird for me to ask you for a favor? I have a curfew. I have to be back in um, by <laughs> 7 p.m., but right now it's about a little bit afternoon, so I think I've got some time. <laughs> Why do you have a curfew? <laughs> Good question. I guess I never really (laughs) questioned it. It's the cats. The cats gave you a curfew. Yeah, pretty much. 
better have your bitch ass back here by 7 p.m. to feed me. Also being a grandma, like I am 100% grandma uh, sleeping schedule. So I'm like, mm, 8 p.m., pretty late. Seems like time for a nap slash bedtime. Anyway, the point is... <laughs> okay, if you're going to do me the favor, whether or not you have a curfew, that favor is, can you go rate and review of the pod? Give us five stars. You could just say, oh man, bitches are cool. That's great. We love that. You could say, oh man, I've never loved Harley Quinn more. I'd be surprised, but I'd be okay with it. You could go in and say, wow, these interviews, they blow my mind. Or whatever you want to say. And now listen, hey, I know not every platform allows you to rate and review. For instance, I don't think Schmadashmai does. But you know what does? Schmapple. Schmadashmasher. <laughs> so go over there. I'm not giving them free ads. Go over there, rate and review. <laughs> and guess what? You don't even have to listen to us on those apps to rate and review us there. Don't tell anyone I told you or tell everyone. Let's game the system, y'all. So rate and review us. <laughs> I was going to say five stars for each bitch. <laughs> but there's so many of us, that'd be like a billion stars. So give us a billion stars on your favorite podcast platform or schmodschmacher or schmapple. <laughs> schmapple while you're drinking a snapple. things that I, I found so exciting about the issue is that you're balancing these super high stakes, right? The, the Batgirls are on the run. They're terrorists. I'm using scare quotes at home. You can't see me, I now realize. <laughs> but they're also like roomies and there's like hijinks. And that damn panel where Babs is holding the mug and it says, world's greatest <laughs> dad. I was like, I need to get this mug commissioned for Sarah for her as the world's greatest dad for her cats and her bunnies. <laughs> um, but I also was like, Babs is kind of their dad. Like, I see it. So, you know, I guess it's it's so funny and there's a lot of intense things going on too. And I'm curious, you know, is that just the way you all like to tell stories? Did you feel like that was integral to the characters themselves? Or, or where does that desire to, to balance, you know, gravity and levity come from? I think it felt right for this series. The fact that they're all friends, you know, they have a history together that kind of helped, you know, going in, we established that they're friends. And so there is that back and forth, you know, maybe not cast bantering, but, you know, there is um, that friendship there that allows for levity, that allows for some some jokes in like a, a darker setting. And hopefully, you know, we want to tell a story that feels genuinely like Gotham. So there is that oppressiveness through Jorge's art and Sarah Stern's colors, which are so vibrant and oppressively toxic. And just, you know, telling a story that both has high stakes and is scary and serious and, you know, recognizes a lot of the trauma that all of these girls have been through in their life, but also something that is real. Like when you're with your friends, you're going to laugh, you know, and that's just, that's just a part of it. Yeah. I, I don't know that we went into it being like, Oh, we want to, we want to have some jokes in here. Uh, this is one of those situations where, as you learn about the characters, um, it's like, yeah, th we we wanted to portray healthy friendships. And a, a big part of a healthy friendship is laughing even when things are kind of terrible around you. That's part of why we're drawn to being around the people that we are, because it, it makes sometimes even a, a miserable situation not just tolerable, but 
almost something that you enjoy. And as you were noting, the art in this is absolutely incredible and so expressive and so dynamic. And it does this great job of playing to the strengths throughout the story, I think. Like, it's really good at showing cities that look like cities, first of all, because I feel like I love all comics, but it's definitely one of those things where sometimes you see like a street drawn and you're like, there's no trash on that street. That seems weird, you know, or something like that. Whereas in this, it looks like an alleyway. Like it looks exactly like you would think. So was that something where are you being surprised by the art as it's coming in? Is it something where you're like, oh, that was exactly what I thought? Or is there new twists and turns coming along the way that you didn't even imagine whenever you were writing it? Oh, we're, I'm completely blown away. Like every time Hori sends anything over from his thumbnails to his pencils or the inks, like there's always like, holy shit, look at this, you know? It's like this weird cycle where, you know, we'll write a scene and, you know, we both have very strong visions for like what it should look like. And so our scripts, you know, we'll describe things that we think, you know, it might not even make it on the page. Sometimes it's just a feeling or a smell. And you'll put it in there in hopes that like Jorge will get something from it to help him visualize the scene. And then he sends something back and it's like, oh my God. And then the next time we write an issue, I'm thinking about the things that he's drawn and that's going to like inform how I write it. You know what I mean? So it's this like crazy cycle of like, just I keep getting inspired by the stuff that he sends in, you know, and we do like provide some photo reference, you know, for ideas. I never want to say like, it looks exactly like this, but it's like, oh, maybe something like this, or here's what I was thinking, but if you want to do something different, you know, there's always that. I want to give the artist like some wiggle room. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's We are so lucky to be on this team. Yeah, Jorge will take, uh, will establish kind of like a rough idea of what something, what we're imagining. And oftentimes he will just spin it out of control. It, his, his style is so weird because you're right. He does kind of capture this realism that you find in, in cities in his art but also through this like kind of twisted psychedelic viewpoint. So yeah, we, it's almost like we've in discovering his great talent, we're like kind of dialing it back a little bit being like, maybe let's not build out this description so much because um, what he comes back with is so unique and it, it stands apart from everything else on the racks right now. And we just want him to shine as much as he can in this book. Yeah, it's definitely a book where the creative team is just firing on all cylinders. The colors are incredible. I love the lettering. And I think that it's been really good. The lettering specifically is great at capturing individual voices as well, I think. So, I mean, yeah, it's incredible. Oh, yeah. Becca Carey is doing lettering on this, and she's just phenomenal. We write a lot, and then give it to Jorge, and then he draws a lot. And then Sarah colors a lot. So the fact that she's able to, like, Make the lettering work and your eye will, your eye flows effortlessly through each page, which is wild considering how many colors she uses and, you know, just the amount of text on every page between captions and, and all the dialogue. Like I said, we're just so lucky to have this team where it's like, it really just feels like a cohesive unit <laughs> or a total unit. It's, a, it is a total unit. And we're a total unit. <laughs> <laughs> and it's very collaborative. Uh, you know, I, we're the writers, but even some of the story stuff, it's like Jorge will draw extra panels. And it's like, you're already drawing a lot of panels, bud. Um, calm down. But <laughs> sometimes, sometimes for us, it means like, oh, we can get away with stuff with Jorge. 
he's willing to go there. He's willing to work super hard. And that's not always the case with artists. So we're, we're very lucky to work with him and with everyone else on this book, including Jessica Chen, who's like the ringmaster behind the whole thing in the, in the editorial uh, role. Yeah, to that end, did Jorge do the design for Bondo? And is Bondo going to continue <laughs> returning? Because got to say, Bondo, <laughs> favorite new character. <laughs> Bondo uh, will have hopefully a long legacy in Gotham. <laughs> <laughs> we are here for this car. Um, Jorge, definitely. We went back and forth. All of our emails started with, well, I'm not a car person, but... And then we all had, like, very specific visions for, like, what car it should be. <laughs> like, I kept on thinking of, like, Vanishing Point and, like, that it was, like, an old Charger or something. And uh, we, we just kept on throwing out different cars. I forget which one we landed on because I'm not a car person, but it's, like, the perfect old jalopy <laughs> for these girls to be, like, joyriding around Gotham in. And Bondo does rule. Like, I don't know. That's, like, such a fantasy to have like this big dumb car and these like bizarre crime fighting girls tooling around in it at night. Like that's fun. Yeah. I love Bondo. I feel like that's like, you know, kind of a rite of passage. I think growing up, you have to own like a shitty car. <laughs> like your first car is going to be like, I mean, probably for me, it was anyway, just a really dumb, big old car that broke down all the time. And, you know, <laughs> It was so funny to me how <laughs> how excited Barbara was to be like, look at these neat scooters. <laughs> uh, I personally so felt very red by that. <laughs> I ride a scooter. <laughs> look, look the, the scooters. They I was do like, rock. oh shit, I am Babs. <laughs> they do rock. <laughs> <laughs> those yeah, those scooters aren't going anywhere. Yeah, here. you'll see those scooters again. It's um, what do they call it? Is it a Chekhov's gun? Was that the thing? The yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm like rubbing my greedy little mitts here in my office. Like, give me more scooters. You'll see. You'll see the scooters coming again. That's a spoiler, but you know, it's for those who want to know, <laughs> a scooter spoiler. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's so funny to me how they think that the beat-up car that they stole is, like, awesome. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that they stole from some people trying to rob them. That's yeah. the piece that really, really does it for me. Yeah. That Cass couldn't even let them have a robe. She was like, no, 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 no. No, no, She's no. She's chaotic no. good. I shall not no. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. Um. Truly. Well, I guess, you know, I was I read an interview on DC Comics about how excited you were for this project, how people had been waiting for something like Batgirls for a long time, and then where you all initially connected with the Batfam. And Michael, you talked about reading the comics, which we talked about a little bit in this interview. But Becky, you also talked about Batman the Animated Series, oh, yeah. which is also my gateway drug to comics. Yeah. So I would love to hear, like, you know, how do you think TAS does or doesn't influence both this comic specifically, but your work more broadly? And, you know, if if we could bring TAS back, what would you want it to be like? Oh, my God. Um, okay, first, if we could bring it back, I would just want just more of it. I mean, that's all I really want. You know, I don't know how else to say it. Just more of that, please. I have like a Batgirls TAS. Yeah, yeah, I guess more... <gasps> More Batgirls oh. in the TAS. Like, that would be cool to see, like, you know, expanded Bat family. Bondo. Bondo. 
Yeah, in that Bruce Tim kind of style would be great. Oh my god, so fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It Batman the animated series for like all of my time in Gotham, it's always like a touchstone. You know, especially you could see it in Gotham Academy. It was like just obvious. Like the influences there. We even took like Clayface's design was like straight from the animated series. We even got to use like the gray ghost a little bit, weirdly. Like there's some fun stuff there. Mm. Um, you know, I think because it was the first my first experience with DC Comics characters, it just kind of imprinted on me. So now when I think about these characters, you know, I think about Mr. Freeze and I'm like, oh, he's so tragic. <laughs> because because of the animated series. It's just colored my way that I see all these characters, you know, especially the rogues gallery. So tonally, it's a serious show, but it's for kids, you know? And I think that's really what we want to do here is we're, we're doing a book that's for everyone. It's a teen and up book. Um, but we want to do something that everyone could really enjoy. And if it's your first time, you know, reading a book about the Batgirls or even your first Batman book, like this is a good intro for you. But also if you're like a longtime fan, this book is going to serve you well as well. So, yeah. Well, we couldn't agree more. We are both just so delighted to have gotten the chance to read an advanced copy. It always makes me feel very special. Oh. And also, obviously, to have you both here with us today. Michael, Becky, oh my gosh, thank you so much. You're both just delightful. We'll be tuning in for more Batgirls. But seriously, thank you both so, so much for being here. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad you liked it. And thank you for having us on the show. It's a delight. You're a delight. Oh, holy cow, folks. What a treat. It was a damn delight to talk to Becky Cloonan and Michael W. Conrad about their new comic, Batgirls Number 1. This baby has been, uh, it's something we've all been waiting for. So we hope that you will go check it out. You can get it at your local comic book store or wherever you read your comics. If you'd like to learn more, you can follow Becky on Instagram and Twitter at at Becky Cloonan. You can follow Michael on Instagram and Twitter at, at Michael W. Conrad. If you didn't have a pen out, don't you stress about it. We will have all that information in our show notes, as well as links to where you can pick up Batgirls. Sarah, you are a damn delight and one of my personal heroes. Always <laughs> so fun to be here with you. Kate, we genuinely couldn't do the podcast without you. Thank you. I love you. Thank you. Listeners, we are always so pleased to have you with us. Let us know what you think of this episode. You can reach out to us at, at @bitchesoncomics on at Twitter or on Instagram. And yeah, patrons, where would we be without you? Sad, crying, in the corner alone. Thank you for joining us on Patreon as well. Yeah. <laughs> you for listening to Bitches on Comics. We are a bi-weekly podcast where we talk to your favorite comics and pop culture creators and critics about what matters to them in comics and pop culture, as you might have guessed. You can follow us on Twitter at, at @bitchesoncomics and on Instagram at, at @bitchesoncomics. Our website is brace yourself bitchesoncomics.com if you go there you can listen to any of our episodes and we've got other shit that we put on tabs I don't remember what it is I am in charge of updating the website however so good luck thanks for the heads up I'll go to this website now 
If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by rating and reviewing us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Sarah Century, and you can find me at www.sarahcentury.com and Twitter and Instagram. Still Sarah Century on those. I'm S.E. Fleenor. You can learn more about me at sefleenor.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at at S.E. underscore Fleenor. Bitches on Comics is recorded by Kate Warner, who plays in the band Churchfire. You can find them at churchfiremusic.com. Our music is recorded by Katie Taylor, who plays as Earth Control Pill. You can find her music at earthcontrolpill.bandcamp.com. Bitches on Comics is recorded in Denver, Colorado. We want to recognize the indigenous peoples who have inhabited and do inhabit this land. The Arapaho Nation, the Ute Nation, the Cheyenne Nation, and others who have been erased from our history and collective memories through colonization. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.